The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. This episode of the Podcast of Terror is brought to you by our friends at Statusphere Merch. Use our coupon code TERROR for 15% off your order at statusphere.merch.com. Welcome to episode 53 of the Podcast of Terror, a production of Galactic Netcasts. This is a podcast about all of the things that are scary. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey, sick as fuck, Scott. Corey, how are you? I'm allergic to this. To podcasting or, or penis? Uh, to, to your pretty teeth and your <laughs> desolate bedroom. My perfect fucking smile. My million dollar smile. Your pretty mouth. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Do I feel good about you saying that I have a pretty mouth? You should yes. always say that's a compliment. That's a good oh, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. At least it's a compliment. You could have told me to go fuck myself or something. Exactly. Thanks, Corey. Uh, for more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows at gncasts.com slash sign up. While you're over there, you can subscribe, subscribe to our newsletter as well. Uh, we are spoiler heavy. heavy. This is apparently not my night. This week we're going to be spoiling uh, Megan is Missing. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, go watch that first, then come back. I also like to swear, if you couldn't tell, because I said the word cock like four times already. Um, tonight, or if you're listening to this in the morning, this morning, uh, we have the distinct pleasure of being joined once again uh, by comic book artist, creator of Over, my hetero life mate, overall beautiful man, Gary Yap. Gary, how are you? Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, I, I kind of wish you wouldn't have gotten a chance to see that I had typed out that intro prior, get a little better a rise out of you. But <laughs> um, yeah, thanks again for coming. Uh, I don't even remember how long ago the last time you were here. It, it was, was fun. It was an honor to be here last time and take on you both single-handedly as you shit all over the movie that I picked, but then eventually won you over in the end to make you realize that my point of view was the best part of you in the highly underrated and critically acclaimed entrance. And now I find myself once more entering <laughs> the arena. Uh, the Thunderdome of crotchety men. <laughs> um, I think your episode gets the most positive feedback. From, what does it mean, uh, by the way? I mean, you, you told me that, and I was very, very, very honored and flattered by it. What, 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 like, 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 what is positive feedback? Somebody going, hey... Like, like, do they or do they go like I watched that movie and was any Was so was I drunk on that episode? I don't think so. Okay. You were on the episode, so I assume you were drunk. I'm not drinking right now. I what? thought about it. I looked in the fridge, had a beer in my hand, and I was like, mm, "Not tonight. It's Gary's <laughs> night." Why would you quit so easily like that? Ah, uh, because it's. Do you want me? The longer you are, the better you are, apparently. You two talk about yourself. I'm going to get a beer. Hang on. <laughs> uh, in answer to your question, Gary, yes, we got a lot of positive feedback about the movie uh, from one of my friends uh, whose opinions mean a lot to me, uh, Maggie. And then we also got feedback from our friend Lucy in the UK, who was on our episode recently, and she was talking about how that was a very... Uh, prominent episode for her because the discussion was so... I, it was elevated. I mean, face it, it wasn't me and Matt by ourselves talking shit. It was somebody who actually brought something to the table about the conversation about the film. Okay. okay. It, she basically just said, we suck. 
You should have that guy Gary on again. <laughs> oh my god! I think it's awesome that it keeps flashing to Matt's camera, even though he's not there. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's farting in the background, and that's what's drawing the attention. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad he's going to get a beer. Did he go to fucking Milwaukee? That made me feel really cool. That, like when you said that, that was really cool. <clears throat> I'm glad. Uh, if anything, for the movie, which I don't think gets enough love, if I can do anything to bring awareness to it, I'm totally happy. Yeah, I mean, it still kind of sticks with me. When I when I think back on it, I'm still kind of taken aback by certain scenes from it. Yeah. Oh, this, so tonight should be really good, then. What's up, fuckers? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, did I miss anything good? Uh, yes. Oh. Do we need to have like a quick recap? No, you have to just go back and watch it later. Okay, that's fine. I didn't stop recording the audio, so all of whatever you just talked about. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just letting you know. I'm a little smarter this time around. I see the live uh, uh, thing, so mm. I, I'm going to screw up like I did last time and start talking about things I shouldn't talk no, about. No, uh, I, I was serious, so I can show you, since it's an audio podcast, if you're listening, you're not going to be able to know, but like this is... if you. Start screen share. So this is I'd record the audio separate from the video. Okay. So I didn't stop the recording of the audio when I okay. went. I'm just letting you know. I wouldn't. I'm not doubting you. God, I, I love you so much, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you like cover anything <laughs> that I, I need to? I don't want to go back and and. Go. No, no, no. He, he he answered my question. Corey answered my question about the what people said. Oh. And that was. Fucking took a really long time. You guys are weird. <laughs> uh, we were trying to fill. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Oh, I, I thought of this while I was getting a beer, and then my wife came down and yelled at me. And then the beer I grabbed had a cap, and I got the cap off, and then realized that there was a cork underneath. It got upset. It had to change my decision. Completely threw me off. <laughs> That's a true fucking story. It was a wax-dipped bottle, and I got the cap off after chiseling wax off, only to find a cork underneath, and I was really upset because I really wanted to drink that beer. Anyways, um, I don't want to gloss over the fact that on episode 51 and 52, we had a lot of audio issues. 51, we tried something new to record, and it completely just fucking blew up in my face. Um, if you couldn't make it past, I think it's like 18 minutes in is when I figure out that I have to, like, actively mute myself to not cut everyone else out um and also now with hangouts if my mic volume gets too loud everyone comes back it's just a fucking nightmare so i'm sorry that's okay did you figure it out though <sighs> yeah so like my computer auto adjusts my mic so if i turn me up too loud and you talk it'll drown you out by the loop back so it just adjusts down if we use this other program i have to like actively mute myself when i'm not talking because of how it inputs audio. Computer words. Uh, I'm already bored listening to myself talk, so we should probably stop. Cause... Uh, I will mention that we plan on releasing the review portion of the episode 51 uh, for Triangle yes. uh, with Nicole, uh, because it was a particularly good review, I mm -hmm. think, and uh, she deserves to be heard discussing that movie. I agree. So you'll probably see that come out as a pot shot in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we, I would have done it already, but Corey and I are both super busy in our personal lives. It's not that we don't love you. It's just that sometimes we like to do things apart. We're on a break right now, marital break. 
No, not even a fucking from each chuckle. Other. No, yeah. we're on, we're on a marital break with each I'm other. Smiling. I smiled. <laughs> my my wiener went. Woo. Um, why are we here? Uh, we're gonna do some news. <laughs> Sorry, Gary's pussy distracted me. <laughs> um, so Corey's been super sick, so I. Unfortunately for you two, I pulled most of the stories except the fourth one. Um, one I specifically got for Gary, so I hope I'm excited for that one. First one we have is that the, um, excuse me, the first, uh, how's, how do, have either of you played the game Phantasmagoria? I, I don't play video games because if I did, I would never get anything done. Fair enough. Corey? Uh, I didn't recognize this one. Now it's okay. being listed as a super old horror game for for PC. Yeah, it's on it's on GOG.com. Good old games. Uh, Phantasmagoria is a live action horror game that was created by uh, Sierra Online in the nineties. It's um I, I just I remember when it came out too because <clears throat> I bowl. I bowled in a junior league at this time. A guy I bowled with, his dad came with like the booklet and was talking about how he got this nine CD-ROM game and I'm like, oh, it sounds so fucking badass. And it was a super creepy horror game. And uh, I think I finally played it when I was like in my 20s. Um, an amazing game. This makes me want to go back and play it again. But it's uh, it, it, it came out during the time where like live, live, um, what, were they, what are they even called? Where, Where they would interstitch video? No, this, this this it's it, it's a hundred percent video. Like it, it's a it's a um, a point and click adventure type game, but any interaction is video. So if there's not if the if you're just looking at like a room, it's just a picture of the room that it was filmed in. Okay. So yeah, it's point and click like Space Quest, King's Quest, and Police Quest were the later ones, but it's just all video and it's a horror game. Um, I kind of forgot what it was about, but like these two people buy this big old creepy house and they find out that there's all this really fucked up shit that went on it and you end up exploring the house and it's such a good game. And then they made a second one, which was uh, shorter, less involved, um, more out there. And I never finished that one. I should probably go do that. When I was younger, I remember there being a game called Night Trap. Yeah, fucking Night Trap was for the... great. Sega CD, I had that. Sega CD with Dana Plato from Different Strokes. Oh, yep. That, that's sort of what this reminded me of because there was definitely video stuff that you were running through on that as part of the game. Yeah. Nah, have you ever played Night Trap? Sorry, we're talking about video games and Gary's just in a different. No, no, no. Oh, I don't. Don't mind me. Uh, Corey, did you ever play Night Trap? Uh, a friend of mine had the system, so I got to see it, but okay. only briefly. So Night Trap was far different for anyone that is listening that's actually interested. Night Trap was like you just watched a video and um, at certain times you'd have to watch for these guys that break in but you'd have to like, so there were six cameras you'd have to flip between the cameras and like watch these teenagers have a slumber party and uh, you'd have to listen to them talk to get the security system codes so essentially what you did is you watched the video and then you had to trigger the security system when people were trying to break in but it had to be like it was like a color and then a, a button and that was the almost game. like Five Nights at Freddy's sort of is what it sounds like. Yes, uh, far less scary though. Um, first video game with nudity. First video game that required a rating. It was one of the. It was the, the game that they took to court to get the rating system for video games. Yep. Um, 
great game. Like, I remember getting an emulator and, like, a walkthrough to actually try and play through the entire game, and I still, I think it was 90 minutes long, and I still, like, couldn't get past 48 or 49 minutes. So, yeah, Phantasmagoria turned 21. The whole point of that is that Phantasmagoria turned 21. But you can play it now. It's... Yeah, it's on, like I said, it's on GOG. I, mid-conversation, went there to try and find it, but they changed their fucking website. Really threw me Those off. Dicks. Cocksuckers. Um, so yeah, that game's super good. I think it's like 10 bucks. If you have any interest in the 90s and, and horror, do it. Do it. Corey, I might buy it for you. Um, second story also involves video games, but it involves something that Gary loves. is near and dear to his heart. Uh, I think it's actually wrestling. It's, it's about wrestling. I think wrestling is one of the first things Gary and I really bonded over, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, one of, yeah. Yeah, because we, we had just started talking, and I was at the Arnold, and I'm like, hey, there's all these fucking wrestlers. Who's this right. asshole? Who's this asshole? And you, you told me. But um, <clears throat> Finn Balor, who recently moved from NXT to WWE, uh, is going to be in the new WWE video game. The reason that I'm bringing it up here is because uh, last March, at the NXT event before... Um, WrestleMania, he did like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre entrance where he came in with a chainsaw and swung it around like Leatherface does in the first first movie. Um, they're putting that entrance in the video game, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Which is cool because his entrance is already awesome enough. Uh, yeah, it's super entertaining. One the yeah. first and, and we this is actually one of the guys that I asked you about. Yeah. Because I remember you're like, oh, is he wearing his war paint? I'm like, I don't know. He's wearing fucking black undies. Um, and he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't wearing the warping for the one you saw, right? Like, nope, nope, nope. So, and I know that I explained it to you, but for some context, what we saw was um, NXT like live tryouts. So you just watched people doing yeah, wrestling at Ar- tryouts. At the Arnold Invitational, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, they did it again last year, but we didn't stay Saturday. Uh, I think next year we're going to stay because one of the guys I go with, him and his son, are getting into wrestling again. So. Very cool. Yeah, hopefully you're buddies there just throwing that a lot out of there. friends there a lot of, a lot of good people there yeah for yeah. sure um so yeah if you're into wrestling and horror like some of us in the world uh wb 2k17 comes out in october finn balor will have his texas chainsaw massacre entrance get it uh next up i feel like we talked about this briefly it was like mentioned as becoming a thing now it is an actual thing but the lost boys is becoming a cw series which is not shocking at all. No, um, where the fuck was I? Oh, when we were out in Minneapolis, I saw an Exorcist TV show billboard. Yeah, that's coming out on Fox this season. We'll yeah. That a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was surprised that there was a billboard for it, for one. Um, but it seems like more movies are becoming series, like Friday the 13th. Well, everything is about the IPs, right? Everything is about IPs nowadays, intellectual properties. That's what it's all about. Anything that already has a brand and preferable audience already associated with it, they can just either reboot or restart or reimagine. Yep. Yeah, it's, it, it's way easier to polish a turd than to make something new, <clears throat> which sucks. But I, I really like Lost Boys. So if the series is good, awesome. I really like The Exorcist. If the series is good, awesome. But I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm set up for failure. Well, this is from Rob Thomas, who's doing iZombie on CW Now, which is based off of a comic series. But he also did Veronica Mars. I like uh, that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a talented guy. Uh, iZombie has definitely picked up a lot of fans. 
uh, is hey, doing pretty well. Watching, I, I hear good things about that, but the premise seems really out there. Like, like. No, it's it's pretty good. It's solid. It it takes a while to kind of warm up, so to speak. But yeah, it's got a talented cast, and as you kind of get into the story, it improves as it goes along. The the cast is pretty talented. I had to Google to make sure that this Rob Thomas was not the same for Matchbox 20. (laughs) (laughs) Different guys, I promise. Um, Yeah, uh, the original film, if you weren't aware, had Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, and uh, Tim Capello. And then it says, you know, this guy, there's a link to it. I don't know. That's a fucking video. How do you do me like that? Jamie Gertz. Huh. Right, Jamie Gertz. And, and I think Lost Boys is something that you can kind of, you can riff on that for a TV series. I mean, CW's already got the Vampire Diaries and a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. Uh, I don't know that they need another vampire show, but the Lost Boys, there's a lot there that you can explore. Uh, yeah, didn't they make more than one? They yeah, made they a couple sequels. Okay. Straight to video thing in the jiggies. Yeah. Which isn't saying a whole lot these days. Everything is straight to video. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no information. Other than it says that the first season will supposedly take place in 1967, and the only characters that will progress from one season to the next will be the vampires who obviously don't age. Um, curious to see what happens. The last news story, I think Corey brought. Yeah, so <laughs> Jeff Katz is talking about the planned Sleepaway Camp reboot, which is now not being called a reboot, but being called a sequel, and includes the original actress, Felissa Rose. Uh, She's going to play the iconic role again from that movie. Now, I don't want to give too much away about Sleepaway Camp, Uh, but it's plenty good fucked up for its time. It's a pretty interesting movie, to be honest. And my wife watches not only it, but the sequels which did not star uh, Felicia Rose. They so they starred uh, Bruce Springsteen's sister, and they're just terrible. They're just awful. But she watches them all the goddamn time, so I kind of feel like this is good, not only because my wife will like it, but also because I think it does away with the two sequels uh, from the continuity since they're going back to the original actress. I love, I, I love the concept of the Sleepaway Camp movies. I am totally down for them. Whatever. The funny thing is, I, 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 I wish they wouldn't um, kind of not acknowledge the sequels because I always think there's a certain charm in embracing even the bad within your canon. And, I mean, it's possible that they will. Yeah. <clears throat> I just... My goal, if, if I could have one goal, it would be uh, uh, to create a franchise that would eventually spin off into a bunch of really bad, bad, bad sequels that I could totally disown. And then, like, I swoop <laughs> in on, like, number nine or something like that and then do a version of it, but also acknowledge all the shitty ones of the past. And and that's always been, like, a, uh, a little fantasy of mine, to, to have, like, a shitty Hellraiser franchise that then just gets spawned off into really bad, bad versions. And then people would tweet at me going, how could you let this happen? And then I just let it happen for, like, six more films. And just collect the paycheck, and uh, so it's like, it's you, you gotta you have to respond with a video of you with like a, just stacks of money, and just be like, huh, <laughs> huh? Just superimpose uh, your face uh, over uh, Scrooge McDuck's butt body, of diving into the 
the big pit of money. So I, I, I've always wanted to just shamelessly do that. Like, I always... Uh, what was the other one that did it? Um, like, From Dust Till Dawn. And they had, like, From Dust Till Dawn 2 and yep. 3, Hangman, like, like, all these different things. And I remember thinking, God bless shitty straight-to-video sequels. I love them. They're so horrible. Uh, well, I mean, Wes Craven did it with Nightmare on Elm Street. He did the first one and then didn't come back for a long time until New Nightmare. Yeah. Yep. Um, quick interjection, because I cannot let things go. Currently, Phantasmagoria is $3.29 on GOG. Ooh. The first one's like $1.29 or something. You can get them both for five twenty-six. I apparently already own it. So it was a pleasant little <laughs> surprise. Um, yeah, I, sorry to side sidetrack that derail your conversation but I've, I've actually never seen sleepaway camp it was one that came up a lot when i was a kid um i think i'm gonna have to change that i worked at blockbuster at a certain point in time so i remember the the sequels would come out like sleepaway camp 3 teenage wasteland and <laughs> like there was all these different subtitles to them and yeah D- depending on the age of the person listening a blockbuster is where you used to go to rent <laughs> vhs and dvds um, I don't oh, know. to get VHSs. Well, they had DVDs eventually, because I yes. remember when our Blockbuster went out of business, I went there shopping. Okay. But yeah, I we used to, there was a, a video shop in Sheboygan where I grew up called Preferred Video, and my mom would always call it Perverted Video for whatever reason. But if I got good grades, I get to go pick out a Nintendo game to rent. Yeah. Yes, there used to be actual physical brick and mortar places you'd have to go to pick up your VHS tapes. Yeah. And games off when they first started renting the games in those shitty plastic amores. and and that's how that's how that's how you got your entertainment, kids. Yeah, I remember when uh, like when when GameFly became a thing, and they just oh, we'll mail you games. It's the Netflix for video games, but what they don't tell you is that. If you didn't like your game on a Monday, you mailed it out. They didn't get it till Wednesday. You didn't get a game back till Friday. I was like, you just shit ton of money for that. I'm curious if they upped their game at all, but fucking game fly. So yeah, Sleepaway Camp's coming back. All that for that. Um, Let's go ahead. Let's talk about this movie that Gary made us watch. I'm not going to... So... Uh, we this is the second opportunity to record this episode because there was we changed the time. I forgot to change it on our calendars. Corey was sleeping because he didn't feel good yesterday. So Gary already knows how I feel about this movie, so I can't even like play it off. But Corey doesn't. Ooh, okay. So okay. Corey, yeah, Corey doesn't know how I feel about this movie. So I'm curious to see. But um, do you feel naughty? I do. <laughs> <laughs> a lazy lip drag. Um, we we watched 2011's Megan is Missing, which um, G- Gary, do you want to describe what it's about? Sure, sure. I I think I wrote it down. I wrote down the, the bullet points, so I'll I'll give it a quick synopsis. <clears throat> um, it is a it is a I guess it's a found footage movie. Um, it's a narrative pieced together from. Uh, uh, it, it's fictional first and foremost. It, it's not. It's not a documentary, but uh, it's very well done in that it pieces together a narrative using uh, video messaging, uh, the equivalent of like Skype webcam uh, uh, conversations, uh, security footage, news footage, and the final 25 minutes, which is the most horrifying part of the movie, is 
the main character's video camera, which she gets in the beginning of the film, and it's the footage from uh, that camera. And it pieces together basically what happens. Uh, there's two friends, uh, uh, Amy and Megan. Amy's actually the main character. Megan is the one that goes missing. Um, Megan is 14 years old. Amy is 13 when the film begins. And they are best friends. Uh, first off, tip of the hat to uh, Amber Perkins and Rachel Quinn. Amber Perkins played Amy, and Rachel Quinn played uh, uh, Megan. And these two young actresses had a, 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 a natural uh, uh, air about them that never made it seem like, at least for me, that they were acting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Megan is the one with a troubled life, shitty mom, stepdad who fucked her at a certain age, um, really bad influences, uh, but 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 known as the quote unquote popular girl in school. <clears throat> and Amy is the Amy is her only good friend, the only really good person in her life. Amy herself has a wonderful life. She has a great father. She has a good mother. Um, and the movie at about, uh, I want to say the 20-minute mark or so, you, you, fo you follow their friendship. You, you see how they interact with their peers. Amy is the more nerdy and, oh, my God, you're not going to bring your friend Amy to the party kind of character. Megan is the popular one and the one who will blow you if you need. In fact, there's a really interesting line Megan says, um, which I thought was very telling. <clears throat> she says, guys like me, I'll pretty much do what you want but you got to tell me that you like me. And that that's why. Oh, actually, I thought, I thought she said uh, like. Oh. Um, but you follow them through their partying. You follow them through... Uh, uh, it, it, the party scenes reminded me a lot of kids, Larry Clark's kids. It's not easy to watch. It's, it's, not, it's not cinematic. It's, it, it's almost like a documentary. It's, it's like a camera, and you see these kids and what goes on at the party Megan goes to and the kind of people Megan hangs out with. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a really incredible scene about once you see the first party, you see the way they interact with the friends, there's a, there's a nice little moment between the two of them, the two friends, as they're video chatting back and forth. And it's a five-minute scene of Megan telling Amy <clears throat> about the first time she gave head. And it is so remarkably unsettling. That, and, that's when I text you, by the way. Really? Mm -hmm. We, like, my unwife and I, we watched this with our kids. I, we saw it, and we wanted our kids to see it because we really wanted this to be a cautionary tale. We really wanted our kids to, to watch this film. And Megan tells a story. It's Like I said, it's about a five-minute take of the first time she gives a guy head from how he made her do it to the entire act to the completion. Very troubling, powerful scene. And that's the kind of stuff this movie doesn't shy away from at all. It's, it's, <clears throat> and um, at about the uh, 20 minute mark or so, I want to say 20, 25 minute mark, Megan basically goes missing. She, she was introduced to a guy on from a friend of a friend, this guy who's online named Skater Dude, and they kind of talk back and forth for a little bit. They're going to meet at a party. He doesn't show up. A lot of manipulation on his part. We watch them interact online, the flirtatiousness. Um, his game playing, how he gets her attention, all remarkably, again, frighteningly real and 
accurate in its in its simplicity in the in the language and the way these kids talk to each other and the way they flirt with each other and the way they try to get things out of each other and she goes to meet him at one point in time and then she disappears and the rest of the film is Amy basically trying to figure out um, what happened <clears throat> and um, it, it this this is I wanted to read this I, I, I apologize for not having it up right now um, I meant to have it up earlier that's what she said and uh, th this is a statement from the director, uh, Michael Goy. And if you go to MeganIsMissing.com, there's a lot of really, really informa good information about the film, including uh, a wonderful statement I won't read from Mark Klass, uh, father to Polly Klass. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, I suggest you Google it. Uh, but it's a, it's a statement from him endorsing the film and the power of this film. And then there's also a director's statement from Michael Goy. And I wanted to uh, read this um, one part of the director's statement, which I think is very important to, to experiencing this film. And he says, uh, the script is entirely based on real occurrences. I chose seven cases to cull details from. Five of the cases dealt with abducted and murdered children, and two dealt specifically with internet predators. There is not a single incident in the film <clears throat> that I made up entirely out of thin air. The dialogue in the movie is based on real chats by 13- and 14-year-old girls who are the children of friends. The girls allowed me to listen to their conversations with girlfriends, the things they would never want their parents to hear, their real life when they're not helping them with groceries or saying goodnight to grandma. And it shocked the hell out of me. <clears throat> um, so the filmmaker really did his best to uh, make this thing feel as authentic as possible. And as Amy starts to poke around looking for Megan... Um, we also get to see the news coverage <clears throat> of Megan's disappearance, the reenactments that they do of Megan's disappearance. There's a lot of social commentary within the actual news reports themselves because they'll have an entire feature dedicated to this missing girl who was popular and who everybody liked, who, of course, we know as the viewers know that she <clears throat> had a horrible life, an absolutely horrible life that she hated in every way, shape, or form. And... Um, and then, also, and then the news report will also say, and also, there is a child missing who was taken from, uh, and it, it was, a, it was a, I want to say it was Compton, <clears throat> and how that report gets like a, a little blurb while the story of Megan, because she is this beautiful white girl, gets major, major headlines. So I thought there was a lot of interesting social commentary within the news reports themselves, uh, about white privilege and about things that could be considered very, very topical nowadays. But as Amy gets closer to who this skater dude is, what he's about, he has to do something about that. So while she starts documenting this search with her video camera, um, little things start to happen. Like she, there's a little, there's a little spot she goes to. She takes her camera to where she, her little confessional spot, which is under a bridge where she keeps this teddy bear that she's had since she was a kid that's too fucked up to keep at home. And she goes and she does a little confessional there, and there's this wonderful scene where as she's looking at the camera, there's a bunch of bushes and shrubbery and stairs underneath this bridge, and there's just a silhouette just kind of right over here of a guy kind of walking, kind of looking, and it's real vague, and they don't make it easy for you because you got to kind of go, is somebody watching her? The movie loves little things like that that could be foreboding or could be just, hey, why is there a girl with a video camera down there? <clears throat> and 
at about the, I want to say, 50 minutes to an hour in, um, Amy goes missing too. And even the scene where she goes missing with the, uh, and when you see it, the scene with the arm that just comes into frame and pauses, the movie's reluctance to use, and this is very similar to Entrance, what we talked about last time. There are no music cues in this movie. There are no dun-dun-dun or false scares or jump scares. In fact, some of the most horrific stuff happens in silence. Like they find photos, two photos, during one of the news uh, one of the investigations of what was believed to be Megan, and they show these two photos, and they're very graphic, and they're very troubling. And after Amy disappears, the police, in one of the found footage uh, sequences, they find her video camera, and basically the, the, the last, like I said, 20, 25 minutes is <clears throat> the footage uncut of what happened to Amy, where she is, what happened to Megan, and how this whole thing ends, which I think the last sequence is extremely disturbing, it's extremely unsettling. It's really hard to watch, especially, um, and you said we're spoiler heavy, so I, but <clears throat> he basically, the killer basically buries her in a drum with Megan, who's already dead, and the last 10 minutes is just the killer burying this drum while you listen to Amy plead for her life, including her talking about how they can love each other, how she promises that if he just lets her out, everything will be It's And it, the movie is not going to let you go. It's not happy. It, it's, it's a horrifying conclusion. And a character who is extremely good, a good person who cared about her friend, who had a wonderful life and parents who loved her, is horribly murdered. And it is fucking unrelenting. I also, I also meant to say, within that footage as well, she's also raped within the, uh, the, the footage. And, and you watch her tied up. You watch what happened to Megan. You watch the rape. You watch her plead for her life. You watch her get thrown into this drum. You listen to her get buried. And her sound gets more and more and more muffled. And they know the terror in this thing is just letting it sit there. And these, and again, I have to, I have to say, these actresses, Amber Perkins and Rachel Quinn, Jesus, the what they were able to, to do. You know, I looked them up on IMDb, and neither one has done a lot of stuff. And I always find that very, very troubling when an actress can do so well at something that's considered found footage. A lot of times, it uh, works against them and hurts their careers because they become so identified with this thing that people have identified them with. And it truly is a shame if these if these girls don't want to do something. Um, but the use of found footage, the the way they use and the 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 pictures and the photos and the new stuff, I, I thought it was an incredibly original film, very committed to its uh, the way it's going to tell its story. And it's a tough watch. It is a very 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 tough troubling watch, which in my opinion is kind of what what a horror film is supposed to be about so i think that summarizes it pretty pretty well so Corey, i'm curious to hear what you thought about this movie yeah <laughs> uh, um okay 
Well, I think we've discussed many a time that one of the things that I don't I don't necessarily I don't have triggers uh, in in that kind of verbiage, but there are certainly things that uh, disturb me more than other things, and uh, rape is one of the things that really kind of like makes me cringe and not want to tune into a film. I normally won't watch stuff when it involves those sorts of things. Uh, if I know it's coming, and if I'm not doing it for a show, you know, I'll sit through some pretty heinous shit uh, for, <laughs> for this podcast. Um, and as far as that scene goes, uh, that was... I mean, I can't say that it's anything worse than what I've seen on a uh, recent season of Game of Thrones, for instance, which blew up the internet when it happened. But... <laughs> for the fact that it's not done in a fantasy setting. It's done in a way that is very true to life um, and was a young girl, like you said. Now, part of the, the thing with the movie is that it was released in 2011, and both these actresses would have been 20, 21 at that point in time, but it was actually filmed in 2007, which is when it's all supposed uh-huh. to be taking place. Okay. Uh, so they were teenagers at the time of the filming, uh, which makes it a little bit, harder to to watch this as like their age appropriate essentially to what they're playing in the film. They're not 14, 15, but they're pretty close. Act like grown-ups trying so hard to fit in with friends who are kind of leading them down a path that is like stop being goody-goody and be cool and do these things and stuff and it's as far as that portion of the movie, that itself was hard to watch. That itself was like I know what kids are like. I, I remember being a teenager. It's not like that far away of <laughs> like what my friends and I were like when we were kids or tried to be what I knew my other friends were like, but it's still, it's hard to see kids offering sexual favors for drugs, offering sexual favors to 17 year olds at camp and things. It's being raped by their step parents. All that stuff is itself pretty disturbing. The recording aspect of it kind of reminded me of the tech portions of uh, Strangeland. Okay. Yeah. Where I just didn't buy into the tech because all the walking around with the cell phones doing video calls in 2007 just randomly or the fact that everything recorded, that kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. The other part of it was when they find the camera in the garbage can with the last 20 minutes of footage uh, at the place where he abducted Amy. I was kind of not sure why the guy would go and dump the camera there to essentially make it easier for them to find him. Uh, the The whole dungeon thing that he, he filmed it at, where he had the girls uh, captured and tortured, and showing footage of where he buried them, I just didn't understand why he would try to make it so that the cops would find this footage, other than the fact that it's to give the story more of a, a viewing point for the audience. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like he put the camera in the garbage can on purpose so that they would find it. But then again, I don't think that's really a point that was ever supposed to be made in this movie. Right. I, I think I took it more as almost like uh, we need an ending. Yeah. By the way, you should know this is how the footage, you know, this is this is what turned out kind of thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is it feels like we need an ending, 
And that ending is very vile. Mm. And if you're looking at it as a film to educate young people to be careful of who they talk to online, um, I just wonder how likely are you to show this movie to young people? Like well, the people who are... As a parent, I can, I can tell you, I, we, we, like I said, we showed it to our three teenage kids. It was not an easy viewing, especially the talking about the sex and everything. Like, like, And sadly, um, thank God not my kids, but sadly, I do know who my daughter's friends, girls who are very similar um, to Megan. And I, I can vouch for the authenticity and how I, I, I how real I felt all of the conversations between the girls really was really felt. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the I don't know, the whole movie made me uncomfortable. Which by the way I think is what it's supposed to do. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um I at one point, as mentioned, I text Gary and I just asked him, I said, do kids really actually talk like this? Because this doesn't seem fucking real at all. And um that was the point at which it actually started to like sink in like yeah kids talk like this and kids do this stuff and um i mean i went to a private high school so the girls that i went to high school with never really talked about you know blowing dudes and all that shit um so it was foreign to me granted i also went to high school a lot more recent than you guys but it was still 12 years ago you know 12 years ago i graduated um so when it was confirmed that this is what what girls talk like and that these are the things that they say, um, it started to sink in, and then the last twenty minutes just were so uncomfortable. I shouldn't say that. It was the rape scene. the The point at, I just remember sitting there and watching it, and the point at which Amy gives up and like yeah. her face just is fucking blank. Um, I was like, I, I feel like I need to turn this off. Like, I can't watch this anymore. Um, so, phenomenal acting yeah. by her. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's really weird to be like, yeah, you did great in that rape scene. Um, <laughs> but it really was. And obviously, it was a good job because it made me uncomfortable. Like, a lot of things don't make me uncomfortable. So, <sighs> and, and this is what I, last night when Gary and I talked, I said, you know, like, when we watched Entrance, I didn't know what I was getting into, so I kind of just like watched it. And watching this, knowing what kind of movies you like, I could go into it having a little better idea of what I was about to see. And I think that helped because I was able to actually like take the movie for what it was instead of just it being on. We watch a lot of bad movies, so I didn't really expect to see something that would actually make me uncomfortable the first time around, whereas this time I was like, alright, this is... This is a Gary choice, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fuck. Um, yeah, man, I really like this movie though. I'll I may never watch it again just because I don't think I can sit through that again. I, I, I watched it again to I own it. I, I got it on Amazon. Like, I own it, and uh, I watched it again to refresh my memory to to discuss it with you guys. And I was just reminded of. It's just like being kicked in the balls constantly, yeah. constantly, constantly. And then the ending is just like it tears your balls off and just feeds them to you, and it doesn't give a fuck about it. I mean, it, it, it again, I, 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 like Amber Perkins, seriously, fucking. Bravo. 
And I, I, I greatly encourage people to go check out MeganIsMissing.com, the website, because there's a lot of different testimonials on there. Like the, the Michael Goy's uh, statement is really, really good. He also talks about how everybody's families and parents were there while they were shooting, you know, like like all the precautions he took and everything, how much work he really put into this. And Michael Goy has since gone on to uh, direct several um, American horror stories. So it's so, so unsettling people is really in his in his. <laughs> Really enjoys it. It's in his wheelhouse. Yeah. All right. So, the thing is, uh, you mentioned uh, class when you were talking about the Megan's Missing website, and I live in the next town over from Petaluma, where Polly Class was kidnapped. Uh, I knew people who lived in that town when it happened. I remember watching the news story about it because it was local to people that I had I had just visited out here uh, right before that happened. And so I remember that story distinctly, and we still, it's obviously, it's still a big portion of living in Northern California that people remember that. What was that girl's uh, name? What's that? What was her name? Polly what? Polly Class. Class. Okay. I, K-L-A-S-S. Uh, yeah, K-L. Unfamiliar with this. Oh, yeah. It, it was, it was huge and scary and uh, unfortunately had a not good ending either. So yeah. it, it's kind of... I don't know if you listen to the newest 90s percentile, Corey? Yeah. Okay, so I think it's... The way that this worked out is kind of strange, I guess, because they were talking about AOL Instant Messenger, and their guest was like, yeah, I just gave some guy my phone number, and then he called me. And called her, right. Yeah, but it's like... That was in, what, the 90s? And, and, and she was 10 years old, and he basically tried to have phone sex with her. Yep. And but that's where it ended. Um, granted, I remember trying to pick up girls on you know instant messaging and would try and get their phone number and, and call them and stuff. I remember having to do extra chores to pay the phone bills multiple times. But like, you can't do that anymore. And I'm not saying that you should be able to do that. And that's not my point here. Um, but it's just it seems like a much different world now that the internet is. Everyone has the internet back then. Like you'd be kind of well off to get the internet, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't pay for it. But at the same time, I mean, so much of what people do is on their phones and tablets, and is completely private from their parents. Yep. And so all that stuff still exists. It's not like anybody's less likely to put themselves in danger. They're probably just as, if not more, because the first thing they do is like you meet up in a chat somewhere in WhatsApp or whatever, or people follow your Instagram and they're like, oh, what's your Snapchat? What's what's your this? Yeah. And how are the places that I can reach you? Um, and if you're into things that are alternative, you feel more like it's a safe space. Like my best friend's son, who was kind of my son for a while, uh, is into furries. I mean, that's, that's his his deal and he hangs out in the the furry communities and uh, one of our friends that we hang out with they're both in their early 20s they're both into this and they go and they hang out in these communities and stuff and it feels to them like a safe place and the problem is, is that you can't be sure that everybody who's in there is safe but you look for the place where you feel like you belong and that's the problem is that it's real easy to find a, a sense of belonging online. You can be whoever you want on the internet. Because you can be whoever you want. But then what you have to remember is everybody else can be whoever they want or whoever they want you to think they are. 
Right. Right. Yeah, it's... And I don't know how much early internet interaction you guys had, but I, I just remember never thinking twice about, you know, who that person was on the other end. Right. I just assumed, you know, it's... I, but I, I don't know. I feel like the concept of going online and being someone else, you know, things you're into wasn't really a problem. Like when, Well, I mean, MTV has a show called Catfish, which yeah. is about people yeah. being in relationships with people that turned out to not be at all who they said they were. I do love that yeah. show. Um, but, I mean, like, until the movie Strangeland came out, it was never, like, something you really, I really thought about. I just assumed. Maybe I'm too trusting. That's my problem. I mean, part of the reason I moved to California was because of friends that I met through Prodigy, through their bulletin board service. Oh, I thought you, you were know? talking about the 90s electronic band. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Did you come, you predates move out, that. move out to California to smack your bitch up? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot Prodigy was a internet service, much like AOL. Yeah. Um, uh so maybe the most dispersed, most disturbing point of the movie was not even that twenty minutes of Amy being essentially killed, but the scene after, which is Amy and Megan uh, from an earlier point where they're sitting there hanging out in Amy's room mm-hmm. and oh. they're talking about their lives and what they're gonna do oh. and how they're gonna meet a nice boy and everything. So you see these two young girls who you've just now seen either killed or seen their bodies and watching them with their entire lives ahead of them talking about all the potential and knowing that it's never going to happen that was that was a big smart thing to close on in a film that was already disturbing to make it just kick you that much harder good point Corey I guess that's a yeah I forgot about that that's a really good point yeah the movie just breaks my fucking heart. I mean, like, like, like this, this, it really. The first time I saw it, it really, 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 really sat with me. Like, like, like. Hopefully, a good horror movie does. It just sits in your stomach and and, and bothers you and festers and. I re- I remember like laying in bed that night and just the mental image of Amy's face with the fucking dude's bloody hand. <sighs> yeah. That uh, still bothered me. Good thing. Yeah. I have that... And, and from a and from a horror element, I just want to let people know from a horror element, there's some scary stuff. Uh-huh. The, the the first time you see what happened to Megan is it's 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 a millisecond and it's it's horribly disturbing. Um, like I said, the arm that comes out of nowhere and and, and until you see the movie, you you don't know what I'm talking about, and it's really hard for me to describe. But there is. There is a confessional with an arm that basically goes into a freeze frame. Again, something that comes out of nowhere, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, there, there are genuinely just scary parts that, 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 that sit with you. Yeah. Yeah, and I went up looking up some of the stories that it's based around. Uh, the murders of Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis were, was probably the biggest one for the disappearance portion and for the connection to the barrel uh, there's, I mean, you were telling that on the site they talk about some of the stories that they draw from. This is probably the biggest influence. It just doesn't have anything to do with the online stuff. Uh, but they one disappeared in January, the other one disappeared in uh, March. A lot of the things emulate what the film does, uh, or vice versa. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty disturbing again to think. You, you watch it as a movie and you think, okay, this is a this is a fucked up movie, mm-hmm. and there are things about it that are obviously seem true to life in the way that the characters are played, but to see the actual stories that it's pulling from, that it's telling this this tale with, is uh, makes it even harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just <clears throat> fuck. That was I love such the fact, by the way. I love the fact that Matt is so affected by this. This really, really, <laughs> I feel really uh, satisfied I'm, here. I guess, I, I'm, like, I guess I'm glad I started drinking. It makes <laughs> makes the hurt hurt less. Now I'm gonna say, Gary, to to go with the two movies that you've given us so far, I like, not like, um, love. I prefer the opening scenes of this movie, uh, and I prefer the closing stuff to Entrance. Okay. Uh, because Entrance is more of a horror movie yes. than a, a lesson like Blood Flows Red on the Highway Scare the Teenagers film. Yeah. Uh, but they, they both are scary things that are kind of true to life and could happen or have happened in some way. And it's funny. Uh, 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 there are, I, I realize also there are similarities in both of them. Both, oh, yeah. Both end with a 20 to 25 minute single take shot you know which i which i thought was interesting both have revelations at certain at certain minute points you know uh, 20 minutes in a half hour 1 hour in uh, both are don't use music cues both rely on a more i don't know if the word i want to use is cerebral but but like i said they're not just they're not just run of the mill horror films you know with, well also in entrance like you mentioned in this, there's the scene where Amy is sitting there at her favorite spot, and she's got the camera, and you see the guy approach behind her. There are scenes like that in Entrance, too, where if you go back and rewatch it later, you realize, oh, shit, that's probably the guy right there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Gary ruined me a little bit. <laughs> I'm just over here going, going over the movie in my head. Just fucking sad isn't that the point though i mean i mean i I realize there is an aspect of there are horror films that you watch by the way i have not seen this film yet it's on netflix now i'll see it because you recommended the deathgasm one uh but there, there are some horror films you watch and there is a glee in the celebration of typical horror tropes and things that one can do that are almost like fun to be scared horror movies and then like but for me the ones that stick with me the most are the ones that are not interested in also winking at you like isn't this fun we're all scared we're gonna like do this do this and play with this idea like scream really competent movies by the way great movies but 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 you're in on the joke and 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 then there are some the, the ones that i feel like really 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 affect me are are the ones that like i said they're 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 not they don't have any interest in letting you in on the joke. They they want to fuck you up and 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 not and not just like let's just gore the fuck out of you. It's it's like no, they want to fuck you up. Yeah. And there you go. It's like here's the film. Fucking sit with that asshole. You know. And and I I I I love that. And I think the fact that you can be so affected by it is is what makes it so to belabor the point effective. You know. I, I completely agree. I mean, the movie got the point across to me, um, but not in a bad way either. 
Right. It's just I, I I just don't believe that when I sat down to watch the movie I had any indication or any way of even having any sort of idea that that's what was going to result. Right. So... Yeah, and it does such a great job of building up, uh, especially Megan, uh, her friendship with other people, uh, her relationship with her friend Lexi, which is obviously Lexi is has been friends with Megan for a long time but is interested in having an actual like relationship with her. And so Lexi takes it even harder when Megan goes missing and puts the blame on Amy, even though Lexi's the one who introduced yeah. Megan to uh, the, the skater guy, uh, Josh. And so the reactions from Megan's friends who already don't like Amy and don't know why Amy and Megan hang out and feel like Amy has sort of taken Megan away from them, how they treat Amy afterwards kind of sets Amy further down the path of like she's kind of a pariah uh, with everybody that should be her support group when Megan goes missing. Right. And so that kind of puts her in danger even more. She goes to the police to turn in Josh, but they can't really do anything, and they still semi-believe that Megan took off on her own. Right. So it's not until Amy disappears as well that they they have something to really go on, which is just terrible. Right. Whew. Yeah, congratulations, Gary. You fucking ruined all of us. I... Apparently, I have a uh, apparently I have a, I have a I have a bar that's been set that I gotta like shoot for every single time now. So, so you know. So... I, I I don't you shouldn't I don't say that I don't want you to feel like you have to like one up yourself, but but I should just keep should. keep bringing quality movies and we'll be fine. <laughs> Um, do you guys want to, should we, should we rate this or does anyone else have anything they want to say? I don't want to cut you off if you have another thought you want to get across, but. No, I, I, I think we really. <laughs> like getting, just getting really deep into this movie has just, just demolished me mentally. I'm just <laughs> that is like, poor wording. Shut up, Corey. Uh, as always, we'll rate this movie on three categories on a scale of zero to five we're gonna go rewatchability story and scariness gary since you're the guest you have to start out we'll do rewatchability first i admire technically several things in this movie um but i confess it is a really hard film to watch uh-huh. again it is a really hard film if, if you take your if you take your movie seriously and, and you and you let them wash over you this is this is not an easy film to get through <clears throat> so you got to give it a zero to five, though. Oh wow! Uh, one or two. We'll go one and a half. Split the difference for you. Um, <clears throat> I, I, man, I don't want to say zero. I'm gonna say one, uh, just because. You the nicest way, by the way. I, I don't want you. You know, there's, there's. I can't watch this again because it sucked. No, no, no. It, it's not that I cannot watch this again because it sucked. I cannot. I have no interest to watch this again because of. Um, how uncomfortable it made me feel. Now, I'm giving it a one because there may be that time where someone, it comes up and someone, yeah. you know, so I won't say zero, but I do not think I will ever go back and watch this movie on my own accord again, but this movie will never, ever leave me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll make a videotape copy and 
distribute it like the ring. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, you you go in there and deal with this yourself because I'm not watching it again. Uh, I won't give it a zero either because it is the the story of Amy and Megan uh, throughout it is very good. Uh, so for that, it's it's rewatchable. But for the end scene, it's like no, I. I can't do that to myself again. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say one. Hmm. I thought you might have gone a little harder. Uh, story, 0 to 5, Gary. Uh, I like the story. I like the uh, way the story was told. I like the storytelling uh, techniques. I realized that one could definitely, if they wanted to be a dickhead, <sighs> nitpick, nitpick the, uh, well, technically, video calls don't work like that, blah, blah, blah. But seriously, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a device to tell a narrative, uh, and I thought the story was really well done, so I'd probably go four. Um, the story and the message were really good. I will also give it a four. I was trying to think if there was any other ideas I had there. No, I don't. Uh, whereas I am that dickhead, uh, I'm going to give it a three, not only because of the technology buy-in that I had problems with, but also because, in the end of the day, the Josh character didn't have enough dimension for me. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't his story, but I felt like he is kind of where it fell apart a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh... I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I I think making him more vague was a way of making him that it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I don't disagree with that, but. What he did, uh, the the two girls in a barrel, um, moving it by himself, taking it up to the woods himself with two bodies in there, burying himself, and then dropping the, the camera off to be found. All of his motivations and stuff, they, it just ill-defined, which is something that Matt and I often have a problem with, is that we want things spelled out a little bit more. Right. But also, I just... I didn't have a full buy-in for him. But what the story wasn't about him. The story was about the girls. And so how the story affects the girls, uh, especially the end, is, is more important. That's why I'm going with a three. Fair enough. <clears throat> uh, the last one we have is scariness. Scary. You know, there are so many different ways to define scariness. I'm going to define scariness for, this, for the purpose of this. Uh, for me, scariness is after the film is done, am I still unsettled by it? And for me, the answer was a huge yes, so I'm going to give it a five just because it really was effective in what it wanted to do. So I have to give it my full credit. Uh, yeah, that, so rating the scariness of this to me was never scary more unsettling like we had talked with the last time you were on and for that I will also give it a 5 because this is the first movie in a very very long time that I remember watching and just like being speechless um I didn't and as as I mentioned I was actively talking to Gary throughout this and towards the end I just stopped I'm like I don't even I just don't I feel I feel gross and uncomfortable 5 Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, hug your kids. Yeah, holy Bye. fuck, man. Um, awesome. Yeah, great. Once again, Gary, great movie. I'm really glad that you brought this to me. 
I awesome. assume Corey as well. Um, you did you do good work. You didn't even have to convince me this time that it was a good movie. I, you, <laughs> I did it on my own. Um, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at pot at gncast.com, or you can leave us a message on the website. We want to hear from you. Tell us all of the things that you like or don't like. Um, let us know your favorite part of the show, your least favorite part of the show, something you want us to do, movie recommendations. I know we've had a ton of guests recently, um, so they've been bringing movies. But, uh, yeah, please keep sending in movie recommendations. We'll add them to the list. We'll uh, we'll get through that shit and uh, get to some movies. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcasteteer. You can subscribe to us. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your favorite podcatchers. Leave us feedback, five-star reviews, whichever one you like. Uh, also, uh, all the subscription links and options can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. You can find us on Facebook under Galactic Netcasts. Gary, where can the nice people find you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at garyapp.com or just type in garyapp.com. It goes straight to my Twitter. You can... Uh, watch all you at artoverlifestudios.com that's my website artoverlifestudios.com awesome Gary thanks again for coming Corey you people where people find you uh, best place to find me is donutscomics.com where you can find the comics that I have either written or just published for Levi Krause awesome you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt the Lifeguard. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. I'm Carrie Sims. You may know me from the popular weekly internet game show podcast, Trivia Geeks, streaming live every Tuesday night at 9.15 Eastern, 8.15 Central. Like any podcast, Trivia Geeks started out as nothing more than an idea and a dream. Here at Blazing Caribou Studios, we believe in cultivating those dreams and ideas to bring fresh content to the masses. Click on over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com and click on the link Pitch Podcast Ideas. Your dream could be just one click away. Next week on the Podcast of Terror. Next week we are joined by the lead singer of the Minneapolis Death metal band i think they're death metal band etheric eric Caius. uh eric's actually a pretty good friend of mine him and i go way back i know he's a big horror fan so i invited him on the show we're going to be talking about the uh movie frighteners which i've never seen Corey, have you seen it i have uh it's kind of a favorite of mine so it'll be is it really i wasn't uh i was surprised when i saw that uh what's his nuts was on it michael j fox yeah there's actually quite a few people in there i think really? you'll recognize so i look forward to your thoughts on it yeah i'm looking forward to watching it so yeah that'll be next week thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast of terror we'll talk to you guys soon stay scary everybody thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast of terror you can help collect a netcast pay for our web and audio hosting by supporting us on patreon by going to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts and pledge as little as dollars a month you have been listening to a production of galactic netcasts For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.